All right, we're in part two here. We've had a little little bit of break in there, and we're going to keep rocking and rolling here, Grandpa. Uh, we're, we're again with my grandfather. We're doing our Well Done, Lives Lived Well series. It says part one, but we're in part 1B of this. It's a rolling series. We get these guys talking. We're just going to let them go in the studio and only stop when we have to, and we'll break these up. Lucas will get them broke up for the episodes in the podcast. But I just want to remind you, we're with Don Benetone, my grandfather in the studio. He's a sanitarian. He's 100 years old, and, uh, man, he is – suave debonair looks great and, and today he's still able to to go he he every now and then he forgets to tell us something he was telling me during the break that the car let me see if i can show the car again and in, in in the part one of this episode he was giving us some background on this car this car on the upper right they got up in italy when the war was over the germans had taken people's stuff they just left things there so they found this car put a battery in it and basically drove it back to naples area but the military told him eventually that they, they couldn't keep those things and so they kind of took it from him i figured some general wanted it it's a nice looking car so he said he took the battery he had to get a battery in that car to make it work so he found a motorcycle and he put a battery in the motorcycle now grandpa i Grandpa, all the grandpa I've ever known had a motorcycle. He had a nice Honda. Man, I used to ride it. He, I rode it with him as a little boy. Yeah. Um, rode it as a as a grown person. We all we all grew up with that. I, I I drove it all around here and when I first moved back here, and and Grandpa had a motorcycle. I never knew where he learned to ride a motorcycle. He said he learned riding that German bike in Italy. So yeah. that's where his love for a motorcycle came from. So you, you find out all kinds of things that I didn't know about. I didn't know until I found out here. So, hey, I want to ask you, Grandpa, as we get into part two, I want to talk a little bit about coming back home in your home life. You kind of left something interrupted. You left um, up there on the picture there is you left my grandma, Grandma Mamie. Uh, first of all, I want to say this about Grandma. I, I've been looking at pictures for your 100th birthday. We've been putting them together. Grandma was an extraordinarily beautiful woman. I agree. My grandma was an extraordinarily beautiful woman. You can see a picture there with uh, with Jerry. You can see where uh, Don wrote to Mamie and Jerry. That's his baby son. That's his picture from the war. He wrote "Love Don." He also he also wrote one of those to your to your parents. I've seen that as well. And my grandma sitting on the on the wall there. I'm not sure where that is, but it looks pretty good. And then you see grandma a little closer to modern time. She went to be at the Lord in 2015. Grandma was how old when she passed? 97. Uh, no, no, 96, 95, yeah, 95, about 95, about 95 when she passed and uh, grandma, absolutely beautiful, hardworking, worked in the industrial, uh, during the war, she was working in the factories, correct? Right, right. Making stuff to support the war effort right. with other women. So yeah. not only were you separated, but the wives were also providing support for the war and, and that and working together. There's another good picture here. Here's another good picture of the two of them together in a Christmas tree. I don't know where you are. You've got a crew cut there. Like I've got a flat top. Grandpa's got a flat top. You look good. I uh, got a flat top. You've got a white snow flocked Christmas tree. Are you, is that when you're at McKendree? Where are you at in those days? I don't recognize where that's at. Maybe it's at church. I don't know, but uh, there's a picture. There's a picture of grandma on a horse. Grandma riding a horse. That's a great photo. Uh, Beth never. Beth's a horse lover. Grew up with horses, and uh, I guess Mamie grew up riding horses where she grew up. As a little girl. Yeah, yeah as a little girl. She looks good there on it. And then the two of you on the beach together. Great picture. I don't know what beach that is where you guys are together. Grandma's in her in her in her water hat. And then there's another one here. Most people won't know where this picture is, but I knew know where I know where it is. The upper right picture. If you know where that is, uh, te text us in. But I'll, I'll tell you now. I'm gonna give you a second. Go ahead and text it. Text it now. Uh, 
don't know. You don't. You know where that is. I'll tell you where it is. There's only one place that looks like that. That's Giant City Lodge. Okay. That's the main door and the windows oh, okay. at the Giant City Lodge. So okay. that's a long time. Giant City Lodge has been out there a long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was built by the WPA. So you're out there. That's where you're at, out there. What were you, were, were they eat, were you eating dinner out there? Did they have food out there all in those days? Yeah. Wow. Giant City Lodge is a wonderful place to go out and eat lunch and stuff in our area here. Um, it's out out in the woods and and but that's the old lodge. I, I can see the building and the timbers and 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 the iron gate door, which is still the same today. Yeah, so, yeah. so just amazing. So gra- gra- Grandma was a beautiful woman. So you came home to a beautiful wife. You now have a child. So you left finishing high school. You come home. Normally, I guess a guy that, that in your stage would have would have. I don't know. Had anybody in your family gone to college yet? No. Nobody had gone to college? No. So normally, a Benetton graduating, what would you have done? What do you think you would have done had you not gone to the war? What was your goal? Did you have one? Be a school teacher. Be a school teacher. So you want to be a school teacher. So you, you came back from the war, and did you decide to go straight to college? Yeah. And where did you go to college? McKendry. But I went to Southern. Southern, SIU. Yeah. SIU. And uh, they said, you'll never make any money being a school teacher. So they tried to talk you out of going to college? Yeah. Because yeah. you're a guy. You know, a man's not going to make any money for his family. Right. They, so what were they promoting? Go get a coal mine? I don't know what they were promoting. <laughs> and I had a cousin that was at McKendry College uh-huh. going to be a minister. And so he said, come up to McKendry. And is that tiny? Yeah. That was tiny. Okay. And, tiny, uh, tiny's not his name. He's passed with the Lord. And uh, Heron Mann was president of McKendry. That's Ira Tetford, who we were talking about, is the priest. The, the, the guy was studying to be a minister was Ira yeah, Tetford, right? Uh, yeah. And Ira Tetford, for just record purposes, Ira Tetford, I went... He, he passed right before I became an ordained minister. He was in the conference of the Great Rivers. He was a retired pastor. And I had gone to him and said, when I get ordained, will you help uh, put... Uh, will you be there? You could choose a retired pastor, elder, to help put your stole on you when the bishop ordains you. And he says, I would be glad to do that, Troy. And so it was going to be the next year when I would get ordained. And I get a call from Toots, who's his wife. Ira had passed away. He went to be at the Lord. They were living down in Florida at the time. And she said, he passed away. But when he passed away, he put something in your will, and I need to give it to you. And so I went and met with her when she was in Heron, and she brought to me his clergy robe and all his stoles, along with his doctoral chevrons. He was a doctor. And she said, he wanted to put this stole on you, but he made sure and said, would I leave this to you? And so I got ordained in Iris gown and also wear his stole. I still have those in my closet. Hmm. And matter of fact, I'll tell you a secret, Josh, who pastors... Uh, pastor with us back in the early days he's ordained josh is now operating a business and has his own ministry and stuff now but josh's ordination was done in that same robe and in that with that same stole Hmm. so not only was ira uh ordained in that but i was and my son josh was so that all came from that relationship so ira talked you into coming to mckendry yeah and they were okay with you being a school teacher yeah yeah were school teachers wicked people or something (laughs) no Poor. Poor. They were poor never, people. Never make any money. Well, they still don't make a lot of money. No. No, they, they still don't make a lot of money. Um, so so you went to school at McKendry. Uh, you t- I, I guess you took grandma with you, and you had yes. a son. Yes. So we lived in the 
boys dorm in the boys all the whole family the three of us and, and how were you able to afford how, how could you coming back no money savings your father's a coal miner how did you afford to go to mckendry's we sent two of our kids to mckendry and and one of them had to play football to go there and the other one well you know we had to rack up debt how well, because I'd been in the military, I got to go to McKendry. So the GI Bill yeah. lets you go to college. GI Bill. Well, the GI Bill really changed your, gave you an opportunity. Yes. Yeah, that's great. Certainly did. See, if you'd stay in that coal mine hole, you would have been exempted and maybe never been able to have the resources to go get a college education. Right on. Aren't you glad you you got scared out of that hole and, no. and, and it opened a whole other world to you? Yeah. 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 It's You always look back and go, you know, the road not taken or what would happen. And it's just kind of amazing that I think, I mean, I'm not saying God's in war. God's not in war. But God's got control of people that love him. And you have served and loved the Lord. And it just seems like the Lord has steered you in the right way because you went to war. You were able to help people, not hurt people in war. Right. You were able to come back and and better yourself, your family. So you, you got your education at McKendry. Where did you go to teach your, where was your first teaching? Where did you? Chittyville. You came back to Chittyville? Back to where you lived? Yes. You built a house next to your dad's? Yes. And you taught in the school that you graduated as an eighth grader? Yes. Well, that's bad. When you came back and taught, were, any of, the, well, were, were any of the teachers that you taught, that taught you still there teaching? Yes. Did they go? Did they go? Oh no, Don's here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. One one lady was still there. No, there were two. There were two. Two ladies. So you taught class. I actually saw a picture. I didn't put it in, but I actually saw a picture uh, for your hundredth birthday of your first class. The whole picture of you with his first teaching class. I should have brought that. I, I just didn't do it. But it's a great picture. You later become not just a teacher there, but how much longer did it take for you to become the principal there? Right away. Oh, you came in your first class. You were the principal. Yeah. Why? How do you? How do you show up? Some guy from the army. You go to McKendry and you come back and you're instantly the principal of Chittyville. How did you get that right out of the bat? Did you know somebody? Did you? <laughs> no. Is it because of your education that you brought in? Yes. Yes. So you came in and you were the principal of a was it kindergarten through eighth grade? Yes. And so you're the principal. You and I didn't really ever know this. You coached. Yeah. You coached basketball. Yeah. I didn't know. I, I knew I, that. You knew that. I know somehow I forgot that. Oh, somebody <laughs> had to do it. Somebody had to do it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he coached basketball. I mean, Grandpa Grip is an avid boxer. He could he could he could hit the boxing uh, ball like you wouldn't believe it. So you coach, you principal at Chittyville. And how long did you do that? How many how many years did you do that? 4 years. 4 years. And from there you moved on to Johnston City, is that correct? No. Where did you go next? Uh, sold uh, life insurance. Life insurance. And who did you sell that for? Equitable. Equitable. So you, you became a teacher and life Did you do both? Did you continue to teach while you were selling insurance? Yes. You did. So you were doing dual work. I guess you, you got a lot of time in the summer, off times, school gets out. You can kind of kind of have a dual job. Yeah. Yeah. But I thought I was going to make a lot of money selling insurance. Did you make a lot of money selling insurance? No. Okay. Yeah. You, you did okay, though. You did okay. You, you, you formed a business. You, you end up working for the Bracies. Yeah. You end up having your own business, right. which which you sold to me. Um, I kept that business for several years. We sold the business ultimately to the Bracies. Yeah. And what's funny is uh, we sold it to the Bracey family, Jim Bracey and his family, uh, Debbie and them took over and it's Bracey Insurance uh, took over, bought out Benetton and it bought out Benetton Insurance so we could go to school and I could become a pastor. Mm -hmm. What's interesting is if you go back, it's Carl Bracey that was at McKendry 
He was he the dean or he was the president of the board? He was president Pre of the college. Carl Bracy, who's the uncle, who was the uncle of Jim Bracy. Right. He was at McKendry College, and he's the one who gave Don such favor at McKendry oh. to do his thing, and we ended up selling our business to the Bracy family. That's neat. In Southern Illinois, I mean, McKendry College is quite far from here. I mean, it's up in the metro area. So 100, 100 miles. 100 miles, right. Yeah. It's amazing how the world was pretty small in those days, even despite the fact we didn't have super fat. Well, we had fast cars, but it's amazing how you had relationships with Tedford, the Bracys, and then it's amazing how they crossed over with us that my son was ordained in the same robe that Ira gave to me and that, that Ira helped you get connected. And then also the Bracys were a big part of helping us leave the business world and leave the insurance business with people we trusted that were Christian. Uh, the Bracys went to the Methodist church with us where I started. Right. And so it's amazing how God puts people in your path that you feel comfortable with. So, so you were at McKendry, you went to school. And then after that, you, what I love about this is you began to do insurance and teaching. Mm -hmm. when, when did you get over to Johnson City and start doing high school? Start teaching. I can't tell you that you are. But 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 you got over there and what did you teach in high school? High school is different than eighth grade. American history. American history and, and some psychology. I think psychology. you said psychology. Yeah. And was and that was that you, you? I mean, everybody in this region knows my grandpa. My son Josh will tell you. My dad tell you. No matter where we are, if they know you're a Benetton, they'll say, you know, your da your dad was a teacher. So it's not my dad. It's my grandpa. <laughs> First of all, it's not not my dad. It's my grandpa. My dad's Jerry. Oh, Jerry, I remember Jerry. You know, you know. So so when we're here, and my son Josh has the same thing. Yeah. He he can be anywhere in a Walmart or anybody, and they'll say Benetton. They'll say, "Was your you know, is your grandpa Don Benetton?" He said, "No, that's my great grandpa." <laughs> you know, <laughs> then he has to go. My dad's Jerry. Oh, you know, your dad's Troy. You know. So we've got four or five generations around here of Benetton's. It's really really a good thing, and so everybody knows you through your teaching days, yeah. especially Johnson City, Chittyville. And that, so you taught your insurance business got bigger. You began to sell property and casualty with the Bracy, with the with the with the um, uh, Bradshaw Insurance Agency, and eventually you went out on your own. Yeah, I bought the Bradshaw. You bought the Bradshaw Agency, and that became the Benetton Agency. Yeah, and then w we took that over eventually. And uh, you've worked hard in your life. You, I don't, I don't really know a time where you haven't had you know two jobs going on when right you, on you were teaching you were doing insurance then when you were doing insurance you didn't just have an agency in here and you had an agency in johnson city as well right. you bought the king agency <laughs> you were still teaching during some of those times later on in his life he was doing the insurance and began to teach at john a logan junior college yeah okay so he taught junior college and you only retired from john a logan junior college when not too long ago. i mean just i mean <laughs> he taught there into his mid 90s guys listen here he was the oldest person on faculty at John A. Logan Junior College. He taught a hypnosis class there. Yeah. And I mean, he was teaching at junior college into his mid nineties. He's driving still able to drive today. His license is good through November 16th. It's just amazing. You've done, you've always worked two, three jobs. Grandma worked in, in smaller brothers. She made, yeah. she worked in the factory. She worked at the insurance agency. You, you come from a hardworking family. Right. Your dad worked hard. Yeah. You worked hard. Uh, I realize you're the first to go to college. Right. And you were able, because you worked hard, you were able to send your son to college. And right. your son went to school when you were at McKendry. I saw in the, the biography, there was another uh, per person there with a kid. And that both those kids that grew up <laughs> at McKendry College became doctors. Right on. Dr. Farmer 
Yeah. And Dr. And, and Dr. Farmer's passed. He's gone to be with the yeah. Lord. Yeah, I think he died earlier. Dad said yeah, he died much early. earlier. But it's kind of interesting that both of these kids coming out of the GI Bill, coming from, you know, families that couldn't have normally done this, end up having doctor's kids. Right. You know, just amazing. And then out of that, Dad ended up having, you know, the six of us. And so, so I think one of the things that you can say is, you know, it feels like sometimes, you know, you got drafted. It's almost like you got a, a sour lemon. It's a bad thing to have to go to war. But we, when you went and served faithfully, you, you gave your heart to God. You, you stayed connected in your worship while you were overseas. You came back and you worked hard and you served the Lord. You were faithful in your church. You were faithful to what God called you. What's interesting is God called you to be a teacher, yet everybody wanted you to go be something else because it would make more money. Yeah. But honestly, I'd be honest with you, I walk around this community all over Southern Illinois and everybody knows my grandfather, not because of how much he made or what businesses he ran. They know him because of what he invested in their lives in teaching. Yeah. And how they've known him and my grandmother in their lives of being people of faith their whole lives. So you can look at your life at the end of life and say, I've got five talents and I invested it. I made 10. Some people would say, unless that's a lot of money, you didn't do anything. But I might say you could invest those talents in changing other people's lives. You've, you've touched a lot of people's lives. Yeah. And you've done that by choosing a hardworking path that's relatively, I would say, absolutely non-selfish. You, you've given... Where did you get that? Where did that drive come in your family to want to work? work to, I've often worked two, three jobs, jobs I don't need to work. Where did that drive come to, to work so many jobs and to work so hard to success? What drives you? What drove you? I really don't know. I, Was it an evil spirit? <laughs> At times, I just feel like I, I, I want to do more. I want my life to be significant. I want to make a difference for God. What, what, what causes you to want to be better than yesterday? What drives you, you think, ultimately throughout your life? What drove grandma and you to, to have the two jobs, to get up and go through that, to come through the depression, to come through the hardship, but to, to, to make great things of it, to see dad become a doctor, uh, to see your family grow into such a large group? What's been at the driving core of that? Good question. That's a good question. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's something for you to work out. You're at 100 years old, and you, you got to kind of go, well, gosh, was it, you know, was this, obviously it was all in God's plan, but you yeah. look at this and go, I think this is my opinion as, as a pastor and a leader. I think it has to do with one step at a time. I mean, you just took the step and you, yeah. you, you I think living it out the way God called you to live it out. Right I on. think Beth, I think, I think just doing the right thing. Yeah. And then God shows you the next step and the next step. Did, Cause you didn't know you were going to go to McKendry. You went oh. to SIU and they turned you down. But then McKendry actually gave you a better education. Yes. Wouldn't you say? McKinney's a, a better school in general, for, right. for especially for teachers. That's where our daughter, da what's funny is our daughter Megan went, got her education degree at yeah. McKendry. Yeah. So that, there's another mm -hmm. another kind of connection there as well. I, I, I want to show a couple more pictures here um, that I have, and we'll try to. I got a good picture of my my grandpa Charlie, my grandma Ruby. Uh, great picture there where he sends a card home from the war. Uh, mm -hmm. lo love mom and dad, love Don. And then up here, this is in modern, not modern times. This is like circa 1976. This is grandma Ruby and grandpa Charlie. Grandpa Charlie looks miserable. <laughs> and I know the story behind that. Somebody told me, we're going to get the story behind that. But this is at my house in Carruthersville, Missouri, <laughs> when I grew up as a kid. I was a kid. This was for some big anniversary or birthday. I remember, I remember we, mom threw some sort of party for them and grandma Ruby was so excited about coming to dad's, to our house uh, for the, for, for the event. But Charlie never liked to leave home, did he? 
I don't know. He looks like somebody shot him there. And I, he looks like me when Beth forces me to go do something I don't want to go do. All that happens all the time. It happens all the time. All the time. And all the time there. But Grandma Ruben, Grandpa Charlie, they were incredibly hard workers and highly gifted people. At that Grandpa, I want to talk to you a little bit about faith today. You, as you look back over time, what things do you see that the church is still doing right in sharing our faith and how are people responding to faith? What, what, what are the things that you see are positive, but then what are the things that concern you at your age today? Uh, as you think about how the church is doing, how, how people are living out their faith, what, what things are that you see are positive and what things really concern you as a hundred year old man today? It's not doing well. The church is not doing well. Uh, attendance is way down. Uh, your, ch your church, the Heron Church, when I left there as my call, we ran almost 300 people. Yes. It was a bustling church. Yes. Bustling church. And I know that they lived like that for many years. They were yes. a top church. And there were stories of them at the holiness camps at El Dorado. Right. Uh, stories of even three and 400 under under. It would be Ed Souders. Yeah. Ed, Ed was Bob's dad. Um, I, I thought Ed was a great man, one of the guys that inspired me. Uh, LaVon Baylor did an incredible job leading that church. That's where I met Shane Bishop, got connected to Fred Bishop. That's where I got my calling in ministry was out of the hammer. So when, when I left that church to go to seminary, it was a bustling church of over two or 300. We had a family life center. Beth and I led a youth group that had 50, 60 kids in it. Um, it was a bustling church. And today, uh, the church is a handful of people. Yeah, about 30 people. About 30 people. And are most of them older your age? Yes. Older people? Yes. Where do you think the disconnect is between where the church was and where the church is today? What do you think, What what's the gap? Just time. Time? Know, just... But we're, I mean, you're, you're a basketball coach. I was a football coach. If, if, you, if the offense is taking the ball down the court and their, their job's to score, and that's the job of the church is to score, to share the gospel with the kids. The kids grow up and become the parents in the church. They have kids, they grow theirs up. Where did the ball get fumbled or taken away by the defense? Where did we drop the ball in in in, in, in moving the church forward and scoring? What happened? What what do you see major in, in your lifetime that changed that you think began to send the church the wrong direction? Any ideas? I know I'm stretching you here, but I, yeah, I I'd like to. I know I, I know him, but I think I'd like to hear it. If you had to pick anything you saw majorly change in the course of the life of the church, or the life of the preaching, or the life of how the church is administered, where do you think people began to leave faith? And faith, in, at least in the Methodist tradition or in the local ch churches, a lot of them are really small today. We have churches that are growing in the community. What do you think sent those churches the wrong direction, though? Besides time, I think time is part of it that they didn't change things, but more than that. Well, we were real conservative, right? very religious, and things became a little more freedom or... A little more liberal, a little liberal. more... Yeah, yeah. And I would say, I would absolutely agree with that. I think what is destroyed, specifically the mainline church, is as they've left the Bible, right? as they've gone into more liberal leanings, right. and, and it's gone, and that started, I mean, that when I went to seminary, I left a church that had 300, but was strong believing. But I went to a seminary that was teaching me quite a bit differently already, meaning they're already putting out pastors that are teaching like that. And now they're putting those pastors out to larger cities and metropolitan areas, but eventually those pastors get down into the smaller country churches that affect the local. And they began to disconnect from the roots of our faith, Beth. Mm -hmm. 
And it seems like I would agree with grandpa that when we left the biblical teaching model, when we quit teaching our children the love and admonition of the Lord and how to be raised and how to do things right, I think that that is reflected in what has happened with our society today. The rate of divorce, the yeah. rate of theft, uh, stealing, hurting each other, and just the general respect we have for each other. Right. The lack of love for God, the lack of love for each other. Right. I think it's really damaged the church tremendously. What What would be your recommendations as a sanitarian I, uh, to to help get the church back on track? I think that'd be a good way for us to kind of get into the end part of this discussion. What would be some ways in which you think we could get back uh, to being people of faith again and get back to being a country that loves God and that loves one another? What would be your recommendations? I mean, you, it was done so right. And then for like 30 years now, because I've been a pastor 32 years, I have seen nothing but slide the entire, my entire career in mainline churches. I've seen nothing but the slide of the church into the, a, a, the abysm of, of despair. How, what would be the two or three things you would do to change it? If you get to be the king of Italy or the king of the church, you know, what, what, what would be, what would be your key things to turn around? I can't answer that. I yeah. don't know. Uh, it's just time people have changed do you think it's a good change or a bad change it's not good it's not good no. i mean but do you think at some point in time that people have to take a look back and go we missed a road and we need to back up maybe you know if you if, you, if you're on a trip someplace if you're on a trip someplace if you're on the dock listen to this if you're on a trip someplace and and you make a wrong turn even your gps's can get wrong um we, we literally at our church, uh, we have a house on the grounds and, and Lucas and I and Beth all live there. And we almost every day, somebody knocks on our door, Grandpa. Almost every day, somebody's in our parking lot knocking on our door, trying to deliver or bring something to our house at, at 5200 Meadowland Parkway. They, they come up and say, we're here. And we say, we didn't order anything. We didn't want anything. You're in a nurse's outfit. You must be looking for the 4,000 block of Meadowland, which is on the other side of the Circuit City building, a broken road that reconnects. And what happens is many people's GPSs have told them to come to our church thinking it's the 4,000 block. They get here and realize it's an industrial church grounds and they're confused. They just sit there in the parking lot looking at you confused. And many of them have come in our house. We've had them walk all the way down. Lucas is the back end of the hallway. We've had people walk all the way down the hall. We've had people come in and, I mean, and go, well, isn't this an office? No, this is our house. Don't you notice I'm in my shorts, you know? And, and you, you get people and you go, I don't know where I made the wrong turn. And I said, well, it's easy. You know, when we find out we're in the wrong place, sometimes we just have to acknowledge things aren't good. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the biggest problems we have right now as a society is we're sliding off an abysm. We, 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 we're, we're right now trying to rewrite what sex our kids are. I mean, they just put out, Grandpa, this week, they just had the first U.S. passport that says on it the gender is X. Somebody doesn't put down on the U.S. passport, they can get a passport, and instead of saying I'm a male or a female, they say X, meaning X means they could be whatever. It doesn't matter. And and I'm thinking like, well, how do we know who's coming in? We don't even know if you're a guy or a girl, and that now you're like an X, you know? That's like, I, I mean, we're in a time where people don't even want to recognize their biological birth. They, they want to override that with something they believe that's happened after that, and, and I understand people can have, want to have a different identity than their birth. I can understand that, but you can't really change how you were born. I mean, 
he, he, God created them male and female. That's what the Bible says. He doesn't say God created them male, female, and X, you know? And I, I realize some people that are created male may wish they were born a female. Grandpa may have wished that he did go in the coal mine or didn't go in the coal mine, but, but he didn't. I mean, every one of us have to take what's given to us and then go give it to God, take those talents that we have and serve God. And I think so many people have tried to, instead of honor God and live with what they have and move forward, they've tried to rewrite <laughs> things, kind of change it to the way they want. And it reminds me a lot by, of, of, of the Bible, Lord, uh, in, in, the, in the Bible, where the Lord says in the book of Judges, you've taught the Bible for years. And Judges says that they each time the judges, in, 20 times, they fell away from God. Things got very bad. And the Bible would say they did what was right in their own eyes. And then God would raise up a deliverer, and they would champion Israel back, and there would be a renaissance in a, in a, in a good day. But then soon the people would leave the Lord again only to find out that they're doing what's all right in their own eyes and things would be bad again 20 times. Grandpa, I feel a little bit like today we're in a season where for the last 30 years, 40 years, we've done what's right in our own eyes. And now we are in a society where there's people being killed. There's no respect for law enforcement. There's no respect for teachers today. No respect for teachers. Yeah. No respect for people in authority. No respect for people's own birth identity, no respect for mine and your right to ha be people of faith. So we live in a society where we really almost are doing what's right in our own eyes. And I think we're in a time where I would like to hope that we could have a renaissance again, that people uh, that you've influenced through your whole life, you have spent your whole life uh, sharing the goodness of God and what you've done with so many people, teaching them, helping them. Some of the people you doctored in the military, some of the people you've taught in school, people you've helped with insurance, people late in your life. My grandpa, you don't know this, but my grandpa, right before COVID, so he'd have been, he'd been 98 when COVID started. He was still as a 90, 95, 96, 97, 8, he was still delivering meals to other senior citizens that were homebound. Isn't that right? right. You were taking shut-in meals to senior citizens, right? Yeah. So when, 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 so when the shut-in happened, grandpa said, well, who's going to take meals to my people? So Beth and I said, we will. So grandpa's gonna go with me in just a little bit and him and I gotta go deliver meals to all his shut-ins uh, that he was delivering to before COVID. So he locked down for a year and a half. We kept delivering meals to those that he was delivering meals. So at 98 years of age or 100 today, he will deliver meals to other people unable to get out. He's 100 years old. We're gonna deliver meals to people that can't help themselves. I want you to think about that. That's a life lived well. Mm -hmm. That's a life lived well. And he's done that through this. I'd like to think, that lives you've touched might at some point take a t stop and go, how could we begin to give back to others? How could we start serving the Lord the same way? I'd like to think some of the seed that you've sowed with your life would eventually start to make a, a, a reproduce things, the things you've showed people about living a good life. I'd like to think some of those people will begin soon to turn to the Lord. Soon they would begin to stand up. Soon we'd see a growth in the church and the Lord. I think a show like this is a way in which, you know, I'm your legacy. Uh, we're able to put the gospel out there in different ways. And we're able to see Josh today is doing great ministry. Uh, and we're seeing growth in the ministry he's doing. And we're seeing new things happen because I think you taught us a work ethic. You taught us uh, that a life lived well is all about just doing the right things. You've made a combination of right decisions that got you to 100 years. And through that, you've invested in a lot of other people. So it, any last thoughts about, uh, I, I, guess, I guess my thoughts would be, Beth, is we're really in a precarious state. Grandpa, you got us here. So 
any words to live by? What what would you suggest to people if they're if they're Christians out there, they're, they're people that love the Lord, what would be your words to live by or, or words to encourage them by as they press forward and try to do the right things and help turn our country back the right way? Do you have any, any thoughts? I can't say. I don't know. I mean, what, 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 what would be your advice? If you were telling people, somebody was coming to you, you're a psychologist, you've got a Christian background, and they're saying, you know, how could our family growing up today where say a young family came to you and said, how could we live life like you and grandma did? How could we end up like you did? Grandpa yesterday, I got his retirement check. He, I got there and he, he's changing bank accounts. And so he's having to, normally it's electronically depart, de- deposited, but, but he, he's getting it manually right now while they change it. And so he gave me his, his teacher's retirement account. And he, he said, gosh, I make a, I make a, a lot of money in retirement being a teacher and so he calculated the amount and he said well that's you know that's almost you know twenty five thousand dollars in retirement and i said is that i bet that's more than you made he said that's far more than he ever made as a teacher each year so his retirement's actually better than what he made as a teacher in those those years and part of that's because it's better because you sowed good things into it you're reaping what you sowed. Your your family is much bigger because it's reaping what you sowed. Uh, your, your 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 son went to college. We all went to college. All of your grandkids have gone to college. Right. We're all excelling. All of all of your great grandkids, your grandkids are doing well because of what you sowed. What would you suggest to some young family today that's looking at how could we live a life well? How can we go along the path you went? How, where would you steer them, and how would you tell them to go? What would be the starting point? To do what you know is right. Of course, they don't know what's right, I guess. Well, the first thing would be getting get the Bible, getting a good Bible study, yeah, and get to know the Word of God. Yeah. And that'll help guide you to do what's right. Do what's right, work hard. What yeah. else would you tell them? Treat your fellow man like you'd like to be treated. Yeah. Well, I say that all the time. Doing others as you have done unto you. That would yeah. be great. Yeah. Yeah. Most people would not like to have their shoes stolen off their feet. They wouldn't want to have, they wouldn't want to have, you know, something bad happen to their children. They wouldn't want them to be raped or attacked or assaulted. Most people don't want that to happen to themselves. Don't do to other people what you wouldn't have done unto you. Right. Yeah. I, we had a big talk about that in our Wednesday night class. If we would just, the golden rule in Matthew 7, do unto others as you would have done unto you. That's not a matter of fact, I think what it says in the Bible there, it's probably the most simplest explanation of the entire Bible. Love the Lord thy God, love mm-hmm. your neighbor. But the more simplest one is just do unto others exactly the way you'd want done unto you. Yeah. Right. Most people don't want harm. They don't want danger. They want to live life in peace. They want to have prosperity. Your suggestion is that they get into the word of God and then they live their lives the way they would want others to live them. And that's pretty much all you've done. Right. So it's not, it's, it's not really that complex. You don't think it's that hard? No. Why are we having such a hard time with it right now in the world? Because we're not doing right. Right. <laughs> we're not doing right. Well, that's a hundred year old man. You can kind of hear it in that. We're not doing right. It's right. So I think I think my encouragement to, to, to you listening is that we think about the fact that he got to be a hundred by doing what is right. Um, Beth, you got any final words, any questions for grandpa? Mm, not that I can think of. I was just, I was going to add in though, that Caleb and I had the same discussion this week on the phone. What, what was about that? About that, about if if you would just follow that guideline, love God and love your neighbor as yourself, then we'd be really good. You know, we we wouldn't be in the mess we're in. What, what Grandpa's saying today is is that we just don't, they don't even know how. They don't know how, right. Be- because the, the concept of rights and ethics and morals are bi- are biblically based. When, when you started teaching in school, 
was it okay to talk about the Bible or okay to talk about the Ten Commandments? Or could you could you read a book, a verse from the Bible? Yeah. If, if you were a principal and one of your teachers read the Ten Commandments to your students, did you threaten to fire them or no. kick them out? No, no. no. Highly acceptable. Highly acceptable. It's highly unacceptable today. Yeah. I, I don't yeah. know how a society can do what's right in the eyes of God when the children don't know what's right in the eyes of God. Right. And matter of fact, the school's not just telling them it's wrong. They're telling you to read the Bible to kids is actually hostile. It's actually yeah. intolerant. It actually makes people to be uncivic and un-American. And I just have to say to you, think, I want you to think about this. I want to go show you one more time these pictures here. I just want you to think about this. This is my grandfather. This is him in war going around the world to liberate us. He did this as a man of faith going so we could be free to worship. We could be free to raise our families. We could be free to love each other. They didn't go to hurt people. We went to stop the hurting and let people get back to freedom. They went to do that so we could have freedom, so we could have our faith in Christ. They left their families. It changed the planet, literally, uh, on what these guys did. They were the greatest generation of all times. They liberated the entire world, and they did it so that people could come back and live godly lives and, and see what God would sow. And they, they, they gave their gifts, hoping that God would sow back in five more. And I believe Grandpa has seen talent return with talent. And he you definitely, you live life well, Grandpa. Well lived, you, you've done well. I'm, I'm so proud to be your grandson, very proud. And um, I, I, I hope that our generation will have a recovery. I hope that I'm able to somehow, Beth and I, Lucas here in the room, I'm hoping we're able to cause people's hearts to be stirred and maybe get people to open the Bible back up. I do believe there is a group of younger people, Lucas's age, our daughter Megan's age. There, there, there's some hungry people for the things of God. There's some worshipers amongst them. There's some great worship music, great pastors, great leaders coming out. I do think there will be a revival. I, I believe there'll be a revival because every time in the Bible, they kind of did what's right, it didn't work. There was a return to God. We never know when the, the Lord's gonna come get us all and it's all over. We never know. But until then, we can do the very best we can. Mm-hmm. Work hard you know, follow the teachings of the Bible and get, but I think what grandpa's saying is true is we have a whole world right now that really just doesn't know it. Yeah. And we're going to have to do the best we can. That's why you need to take these podcasts, get them out to your friends and your neighbors. Grandpa, thank you for coming in the studio. Thank you for giving us up your day today. It's been a great pleasure to have you on the dock with me. Uh, do you love the table? Grandpa's a woodworker. He loves our incredible cottonwood tree here. You get a chance to be on the set. And he was he got to see this all while it was being built. Yeah. Grandpa, any final words to live by? Any any good God-fearing words you got? Yeah. Going back to when you were about five years old, you really decided to be a preacher. Wow. As a little kid, very, very religious in a way. Uh-huh. Got myself dressed, took myself and Todd to church. They got me over to church, and, and we literally dressed ourselves, and we were the only two in our family that went to church. And only time that they, we had anybody go with us was when my grandparents were home. Hmm. And so I grew up in a church by myself, going to the Cumberland Presbyterian yeah. Church. Yeah. Um, my parents got involved in faith a little bit later when they moved back to Missouri. Um, but I, you know, I, I'm there because my grandparents got me hooked up there at that church, mm-hmm. and it's kind of amazing how, how they did that. It's really amazing. Grandpa, I, I remember when 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 we got ready to sell Benetton Insurance, I, Beth and I had had went to go have lunch with Mamie and Don. We ate at Chew Garden, a uh, Kew Garden Chinese place, and I went in to tell them, Grandpa, I, I really feel called. 
I, I really feel like I need to go to seminary. And I thought he was going to be the most disappointed man in the world that I was going to sell his insurance business that I bought from him and that Benetton Insurance would be sold. And he looked and he told me that exact story. He says, we've always thought from the beginning that you were going to be a preacher. And they were very proud that we made that decision. So I, I'm going to tell you, thank you so much, Grandpa, for being here. Let me wrap up this. We're going to have much more for you in this Lives Lived Well series. We're going to keep it up here. But in the meantime, you can go to www.onthedoc.org, and you can uh, find out about how to watch us on our various templates, find out more about On The Doc. You can also email us at info at onthedoc.org. And like I said, our platforms are great. We've got YouTube iTunes, Spotify, those are our number one platforms. Watch out for those. We also go out to Google Podcasts, Facebook, Roku, Rumble, and SermonNet. And we've got Facebook, Instagram, Telegram, Twitter, and we have the new uh, uh, the new Getter. So you have to check that out. We've got a new graphic for that. I forgot to replace this graphic with the Getter graphic. We'll get that done. And don't forget to subscribe, hit like, and notify uh, to all those different platforms so you don't miss anything we put out. We'd love to hear from you. And don't forget, you can become a Patreon sponsor or partner. Go to my Patreon, look up on the doc, and we'd love to have you as a partner. There's four different tiers of partnership and three different levels of sponsorship. If you'd like to be a sponsor of your business or, or, or organization, we'd love to have you. And finally, if you don't have a church home, Mother Beth and I would love to have you out at Community Faith Church. They're our host church for On The Dock. We have services Sunday at 10 o'clock, Wednesdays at 6.30. If you want to find out more, you can go to coftv.com. We have a live campus and we also have a virtual campus. We broadcast through Community Faith Church on the Facebook and YouTube pages as well. We'd love to have you. So, Grandpa, good to have you on the dock. It's been a pleasure to have you in the studio. Happy 100th, Grandpa. Thank you. Hey, you made you made it. You made it. Not many people make it to that stage. That's and, right. And you're making it and you're kicking it well. Mother Beth, thank you for being in the studio. Lucas as well. It's fun. Fun to be here. Yep. We'll see you again great. real soon. I'm Pastor Troy on the dock. We'll see you. Have a great one.